This is Vixen John, creator of Minute Made New York, and you're listening to Minutes Heard. On today's episode of Minutes Heard, you'll be hearing from a good friend of mine, Jacqueline Page. Uh, me and her have met a few years ago at an internship at ABC, actually. And from there, we have been friends online ever since, but she's been through so much amazing things, traveling the world, being a model, being an actress, and she's really been working hard and she's not afraid to express her opinion. If you follow her online, she's very vocal about what she thinks, how she feels, and she's not afraid to block you if she feels compelled to. (laughs) But we had the opportunity to reconnect and sit down and have a conversation about her current endeavors, what she believes in, and her thoughts about New York currently. So sit back and take a listen to this amazing personality. So right now that I'm making this into a podcast, it's not, there's no official beginning like, hi, I'm fixing and welcome to whatever. <laughs> um, I usually just kind of go into it because it's weird. You know, yeah, it's no, weird. it makes sense to like just start talking about stuff. Yeah, yeah, That's just, always done yeah. its best, I um, think. Because at the end of the day, the series is really not about me. It's about the subjects is about the people who I'm talking to, so I don't really make it be like, hi, this is me, and this is my thing, and my, my, me, 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 follow me, me. Uh, oh, girl. <laughs> I got other social medias to do that. Like, right? That's funny. <laughs> this is really just about the, the people and the stories. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, we haven't seen each other so long, so this is like low-key, high-key, a catch-up sesh. Low-key, high-key, like in every key in between. It really is. <laughs> and the cool thing, I feel like, First of all, I think I say I feel like too much. But the cool thing is we're able to catch up and be in a place of clarity enough that we can like cut out all the the unnecessary shit and talk about the things that really matter. I, I don't know if it's just me, but I what's so enjoyable about getting older is the sense of clarity. Like things just, your sense of self just slowly starts to get clearer. Mm. Um, and so those things from the past that don't necessarily define you are no longer that important. At least in my opinion. They help shape, but they, they're they no longer stories, I think, that need to be told. I say that because I'm an incredibly verbose person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I mean, from what I see on Facebook, it's just like you spitting all the gems. I feel like, yo, I, I really have like a solidly 20 to like 100 thoughts at any given moment that I'm like, I want to share. And I usually just have to sit down, close my eyes, and be like, okay, that's too much. That's too much for people. So um, don't. Like, share this one today. Right, right. But, you got to spam them out. Yeah, you know? But honestly, also, I made a very concerted effort to limit what I said, make myself much less available, and really only say things that I felt were important, which I realize some things I post might be like kind of funny or weird or whatever. But I, I think for so long, I know the way that I write is much more intense um, and it comes across much just harsher than I actually am. And so um, I pulled myself away for a good while and just was like sharing and reblogging things or whatever, whatever it's called, just sharing, I guess, um, because I wanted to actively redefine myself in the eyes of those I knew mm. um, and really only talk about the things that I felt were important rather than get dragged into everybody else's drama yeah mocking conversations and so i'm proud that i'm at a point where if i express an opinion on something it is just there to be expressed and i just walk away from the conversation or otherwise that um i've been able to show people who i feel i am rather than let my posts define me if that makes sense because they're also an extrapolation of who you are 
but um, to show the multifaceted person who is, I think at least, um, <laughs> who's funny or who's vulnerable, who can be really tough, who can be angry, who is constantly researching and who's just kind of all of those things and who's a really supportive friend. So that's what I try to define myself like now, which is, I guess, to some degree what I've always wanted to be, but hard, 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 hardship, that's the word, hardship um, buries that person, you know, and makes you lose clarity. Um, so I'm happy about where I kind of am now, you know, in terms of, and I'm, I'm excited for where I'm going to go. I'm, I'm excited to my core about what I feel like is um, destined for me, if that makes sense. No, no, it makes <laughs> sense. No, that's, that's, I mean, before we get into like the line of questioning, I mean, so obviously you remember the first time we met each other all the way, yay, nine years ago. Eons ago. Um, Shout out to Kelly. How, do you follow Yes! Kelly, Kelly Blades! Who's like, yes. she's engaged. I know. I'm her partner boyfriend look like they look always happy. So okay, when I first saw them online, they, they look, look like brother and sister. They look alike. And it's they just do. like yo, that's they do. Bad. Okay. They do, and everybody knows it and says it. Like right, they right, really right. do look related. They're like almost the same height. They're right. like the same skin color. But you know what I love about Kelly is she's just always so sweet and happy and positive right. and just she's just got such a good soul. I feel like I don't know mm. her boyfriend or well, her fiance at all, but I'm gonna assume. He's the same way he looks. He just gives me very nice person vibes. Like, yeah, yeah, you could definitely tell. Yeah. yeah. They're just like really good together and happy. Together, yeah, so. she's just, she's, yeah, Kelly's awesome. she so is. I'm such a fan of Kelly. Yeah. I haven't seen her in a minute, but at the same time, just based off of what I've seen, yeah. online, it's just like, yeah, she's, she's good. We were actually <laughs> looking years ago, we were thinking about being roommates together. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then we went to apartment hunting, and she was always like, I'll take the smaller bedroom, and I was like, Kelly. You about six inches taller than me. Right. I am not about to shove she's you in no smaller six, bedroom. She's almost six four. Literally, <laughs> like I'm like, no, Kelly, we gonna find a place with equal size bedroom so you can be comfortable. Like we're not doing it, but like we're not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and have you suffer. Um, but she's so great. She's just so sweet and she's such an untarnished. I feel like unblemished soul. Yeah. <laughs> it's so wonderful. No, no, no. She's really good people. Um, Who else was from there? I think. Um, Honestly, I don't even remember. Yeah, I'm like, who the hell else was there? Oh my god. I don't think I remember a single other person. Let's hope they're doing well. I don't know. <laughs> I really have no idea. Was do you remember Amanda de Souza? Or was she from somewhere else? Because I'm trying to think of like these people who I don't exactly remember where I knew them. The answer is no. Do you remember this white guy, tall, very lanky, Edward Sturm? I'm great with faces, not names. So I, we you, only saw him like once, I'm you, sure. If you pull up a good LinkedIn profile, maybe. Might. I'm a, he is just weird as hell, to be honest. Um, he, I, we, remember that day when we just gathered all the interns, or at least the group of us, like it was maybe like 12 of us? Mm. That was like the only time I'd seen Edward. And mm. then we were just Facebook friends, and he would like hit me up all the time. And I realize now, I'm like super slow, so I miss stuff all the time. He was like asking me on dates, and I just thought he was like fucking weird. Like, I thought he was just being weird, and I realized that's his very weird way of asking dates or whatever. And I would constantly be like, hey, your super hot friend is cute. Is he coming? Like, because I was just a dick. Mm. Um, 
Just stab him right in the heart. I was like a dick. We're like, I, I don't know what, I didn't try to be a dick, but like, I was a dick. Like, I mean, but, but you didn't know. To be fair, you didn't I know. didn't know. And so, now that I'm older and better, I try to be very clear when I'm like, hey, I'm not interested or what have you, but right. yeah, like some of the shit I said or what I, like this guy once told me, um, he said, oh, I have a big, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I think it's hilarious what I said. He said, I have a big forehead. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> That he looked like one of the characters from Where the Wild Things Are. Do you know who that book? Yes, I'm very familiar with the book. I think that is very funny. Oh, yeah, I said that like five years ago. I still think it's hilarious. (laughs) But looking back, I'm like, I would never say that to someone now. That is hurtful. Oh my god, highly rude. That is. Her, I'm like, just because he said your forehead is big, page. damn, you only had to go there. Like, you know? I mean, well, well, he came He for did you. open it. He, he did. He came he did. for you. You didn't ask for him. <laughs> and now. And I closed it. <laughs> Lord. Oh. But you know what? I sometimes also wonder, given how I was or whatever, how much of that did I invite, invite on myself mm-hmm. um, without both parties being involved, even recognizing it? So I just very actively try to be nice or engaging or friendly or what have you to people. Because, you know, I don't want to be hurtful. Of course. I try to lead with love. Got to be intentional with your words, thoughts, and spirit. Yes, yes. It takes a level of, I think, maturity to even realize that. Because there's still a lot of people who are our our same age. Who just be out here mouthing off or just acting very... Yeah, or just, I think also, maybe it's a very New York thing, but they act just in a very irreverent, irresponsible way. And there seems to be almost, almost this divide of like... 30, young, late 29, you know, 28, 29, early 30s, like, there's two camps. There's still those who are on their fuck shit, and then there are those who are like, I don't have time for this shit, like, you know? Um, And sometimes when the groups cross, it's just, I know quite a few people who are still like, you know, they're just irreverent with your time, with your, with themselves, with their words, with your emotions, their emotions, just too much. but again, to go back to clarity, it's nice to be at a point of clarity where you're like, uh, I don't get down to what you get down. And it's no hard feelings. We don't even have to talk about it. Just, nope, doesn't work for me. You just move along. It's yeah. cool. It's no, cool. A lot of my friends have been on a very similar, like, you know, mentality where it's like, you know, you're, because we all go through change. We all yeah. go through some type of evolution, right? <clears throat> and, you know, the person that you were before obviously is not the person that you're growing into so the people that surround you during those phases in your life they they might not always be on that same flow Mm -hmm. so by the time you get to a place where you are comfortable with yourself which you are i don't say brand new because that implies that you know you kind of forgot where you Mm. came from but just a matter of you being comfortable in the skin that you're in now some people are not going to be able to make it to that part of the journey with yep. you. You know what I'm saying? And at that point, you could respect the relationship that you had before. Exactly. But at the same time, you're just like, hey, gotta let you go. It, yes, and yes. And whenever you get to that point where I'm at, and I've been on some like higher echelon thing. No, it's, it's, it's like, really, it's just like, because once you are awake, you cannot go back to sleep. And I say that to say, once you have realized this is a literal better way of being, no amount of, you know, mental whatever can kind of drag you back to behaving in a way that is just more immature. And I've seen that people, when you're dealing with someone who still is at that, I don't want to say lower level, so to speak, but they're 
they're just not on that same wavelength with you yet or maybe they never will be they almost like fight or at least from my experiences they're almost like so convinced of the rightness of their way of being because they're so used to like this is the way I've always done this and this is the way that it's worked quote unquote worked though is I think such a relative word because it's almost like because I'm alive it's been working no it's like if you do better you change your actions in one way or another what the result of, you know you will reap greater and better results but they haven't reached that level of cognition yet so they keep operating in the same problematic ways that you know might work for a couple people in their circle probably doesn't work with a lot of other people in their circle or people who they may come to know and personally i'm just kind of at this this space where i'm like if anyone i don't care who it is if anyone is bad for my energy you gotta go you know you might try to i've let a very few people drag me and convince me that we have to work through it and talk through it blah blah, blah. and every single one of those people those relationships whatever have been have just what's the word they haven't result they haven't grown they haven't resulted in anything worthwhile it's not like we have a you know it's just like there were a lot of nothing and so i'm learning like i didn't have to invest i'm glad that i tried but I didn't have to invest any energy into this situation, people, whatever else, and you just release that, let it go, and you can respect whatever relationship you had in the past, understanding that that's not what it is, very likely not what it will be. Um, and if you must mourn that loss, mourn it, and then move on. This is a world full of amazing people to get you know, caught up on people from your past, I think. It's just like... I've done it, it's no judgment, but I'm just realizing the extreme futility of it. Right. That's that. Oh, those are great words of Kelly from Insecure. Gross. Right? <laughs> I love Kelly. Like, Who doesn't? She My needs so heads. much more. <laughs> Literally. Oh, I love her. I love Insecure. I love everything about Insecure. Insecure, I think, is what motivated me to like move to L.A. Okay. I literally was like, I'm not going to move to L.A. until I really, I feel like, made my mark in New York. But I was like... I want to be best friends with Issa Rae and pretty much everybody else on that show right. slash everyone else affiliated with that show. <laughs> so there's that. And just like, it seems like in LA that there's this burgeoning black renaissance, just right. black creators out there who are putting together quality content, but like it's slowly bubbling up. And I'm like, I really want to collab with people out there. I really, 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 I just want to collab with artists and makers and filmmakers and whoever else and just contribute however I can and just, you know, just keep collaborating and keep creating personally. This is like, I'm so unused to being in a space where I'm like given full permission to just talk and just like be verbose. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, no, talk it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, speaking of LA, let's talk about your travel experiences because you, as far as I'm concerned, Seattle are the me. most <laughs> well-versed traveled person <laughs> that I know uh, on and offline. And, and, that, and that's an extreme compliment because I feel like for you, you know, you've accomplished so much just in the sense of seeing the world from a different perspective. Yeah. I know a lot of people who travel. I'm not saying like you're the only person I know that's been on a plane. For the <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is like your your experiences with travel have have become a part of you and they shaped yeah. you into who you are now. And I think yeah. without those experiences, you could have been a different person, not necessarily bad, but different. So you know what? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Um, basically, my question is, just talk about 
you know, just briefly go through like the different places that you've been and just talk about those experiences in the sense of how they've kind of shaped the way that you see things in front of you, the world, and, you know, kind of squeeze in, if you can, just in comparison to New York, where you're from, yeah. how that, you know, just that whole game. Yeah, you know, I think the first place, so let me preface this by saying my memory is not the best in terms of, like, if it was five years ago or six or four or something like that, but um, I think the first place I can remember traveling to where I actively felt very different was Guanacaste in Costa Rica. And I, the thing about me is I don't take week-long trips or two-week-long trips. If I'm going to go, I'm going to be there at least a month. Um, but I do a surprisingly very small amount of research, so I just kind of show up and I'm like, all right, where can I live now? Um, which is not, I don't advise that to anyone, but for some reason I keep doing this. But anyway, um, being there, which was an area that is so just untouched, really if you go to well i won't say some of the places but if you you know travel to these areas where you really just see indigenous local people and the beaches you know there's no beach cafes or cabanas or whatever it's just you the beach the sea urchins the fish whatever you know and to see um i think one of i know this sounds weird but one of the things that changed my perspective i was walking on the beach at night and um saw these little rocks that were like they seemed to be maybe like three feet high and i was like oh we can walk on the rocks um because they were just water at the bottom and something in just inside of us was like maybe we shouldn't kept going on our walk finished it went back the next morning to that same beach and when i tell you that these rocks were solidly 20 feet high but they had been covered by the tide that intensely. And the beach now, um, when you go to see, when you see it at high tide, you know, it's, everything's always covered. But to see, I mean, there's just this majesty of nature was breathtaking. And in that same trip, then we went to um, Arenal, which is a volcano, and climbed, and it's still active. And it's, what's fascinating is you see half the, it just looks like a regular mountain from most of its, the perspective. But then when you get to the halfway point, half of it is completely dead. And the other half is flourishing with life. And so to wake up every morning and see birds I've never seen before, um, to hear the sounds of nature, to wake you up, it was just, it was breathtaking. Following that, I went to Sweden. I love everything Norse. And so being in Sweden, we went to Kiruna, which is the northernmost town on earth, because it starts like wherever and then it just doesn't end there's just no end to it which is why it can technically be called the southernmost town on earth and um it extends to the north pole and so to go there and go dog sledding um you know and to be building these like indigenous sami structures and to see these people who've been there for thousands of years and to you know be on this dog sled surrounded by nothing but white took me back to being in Costa Rica, oddly enough, because at one point in Costa Rica, we went ziplining through the, it was like the highest zipline on earth at that point. And in the jungle, the rainforest, you don't realize how much it rains. So rain obviously produces a lot of steam, et cetera, when it's hot. And so when you're at the, above the trees, it's just steamy. And so when you're ziplining through it, it's like being in oblivion. You're just sailing through white everywhere you look, above, beneath, everywhere. It's just white, thick white. But you can hear monkeys, howler monkeys and capuchins, and you can hear 
you know, every type of bird. You can hear these animals, but you can't see anything. And I thought back, to take it back to Sweden, flying through the snow. Um, there's this warmth that radiates off of the snow from the sunlight. And it was just this magical experience. And then I was determined. I'm an adventurer by nature. And so then we went to chase um, the northern lights in an avalanche zone in a mountain at three o'clock in the morning. Because I was like, listen, if there's any way to die that's going to be awesome and totally worth it, it's chasing the northern lights. That This is my theory. So I was like... You know, but doing these things is just, I'm so grateful for the experiences I've had. I've spent, I don't even know how many weeks in Morocco, slept underneath the desert sun in the Sahara, um, lived in Bali for more months than I can remember, uh, climbed my second active volcano to the summit and watched the sunrise. Um, I've gone diving on the Great Barrier Reef and it is, being underwater, being on coral is like, if you could picture what Futurama, the show's like, or some show where there's like a million and one different life forms from other beings, that is what it's like to dive along coral reef. It is like every shape and pattern and color exists in 4D. <laughs> You know, and to see these creatures where they're alive and if you reach out towards it, it will pull, you know, I don't know how to describe it, but they'll have these like fuzzy lip finger sort of things. And, it, and they're so sensitive to the current that if you reach your hand above it, they'll immediately not only close, but pull themselves inside of the coral. And it's just like, you know, to, to our brains used to seeing mammals or whatever, like they have no eyes, they have no mouth, quote unquote, but it's alive. And so you just develop this sense of curiosity and beauty and this intense respect for what this world really is. So to come back to New York um, and to briefly list the countries that I can remember uh, having lived in or been to, um, pretty much all of Western Europe, everywhere, obviously from the UK to France, Germany, um, Italy, from like every part of Italy you could possibly think of. Um, I've lived in Spain, technically I still live there, Poland, uh, Oh my God, I'm like blanking out on all the history of like, I mean, excuse me, on all the countries. Briefly in Austria, um, I am missing like all of Northern Europe and I'm forgetting Sweden I mentioned, Switzerland, the Netherlands, basically most of them I, I cannot remember anymore. Um, Asia, I've lived in Asia, I lived in Thailand for a long time. And then in Bali and Indonesia and the surrounding countries slash islands. Uh, Central America, only Panama and Costa Rica. Uh, North America, I don't care about the other states. So, like, obviously, <laughs> I really don't. Like, I should, I want to, I do want to go to New Orleans, like, really badly. Um, and I know there's vast beauty in this country, but I'm just like... Yeah, where things are settled. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, mm, bad taste. You, bad taste. This is literally it. That I'm like, I don't know. There might be too many crazy white people in this town. They're gonna try to run me out or right. kill me or something. I'm not, it's not my vibe. Just trying to enjoy the sights. Literally, <laughs> literally. I'm like, just like you. <laughs> literally, I'm like, I just, I just can't be bothered. And I don't wanna. I've never gone. I've never traveled to a place where I felt unsafe, except for Paris. But other than that. Um, Paris is like the wild, wild west, but I digress. Um, 
yeah, even when I was, whether it was Africa, the Caribbean, Asia, like I've never felt unsafe, um, which I'm grateful for. But yeah, Northern Africa, I've been all throughout there. Uh, my plan now is to go, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I really, really, really want to go to Ghana, um, really everywhere in Sub-Saharan Africa, but Ghana, um, I don't know the path I want to take if I want to go south or if I want to go like east to west and then south, I don't know, but I want to go to Lesotho and Namibia and Johann and South Africa in general, but also obviously to see Joburg and um, Zanzibar and Tanzania and Zambia and all these different countries, Uganda, to see the silverbacks, um, but I want to go to Ghana and dance. I know this sounds crazy, but like, I just want to go and be barefoot, dance in the streets, like not in like the marketplace streets, but like the village streets, you know, sort of thing. And just have good drinks and chill and yeah. So I plan on learning tree, even though I know everybody speaks English in Ghana. Um, I speak four languages and so I feel like, but they're all European languages. And so I feel like you should know the some of the languages of your people, not the just the languages of colonization and languages that have been perceived to be, you know, a finer culture, quote unquote. Because um, as you know, I am like super into my blackness and brownness. So um, I think it's only right, you know. So to relate all of that back to New York, what was what was and is the most difficult is to see how artificial our existences are. Our existence is so far removed from what humans. Are supposed to be um, around in my opinion nature sunlight I mean especially if you look at for instance um, project buildings which are, are built to deprive you they're almost like jail cells they're built built to deprive you of light the ability to connect with nature there's no nature around I mean, sounds the hallways feel like cool. they literally feel like you're in a prison you know oh, it's oh, sick yeah. Um, but even when I come into some of the more affluent neighborhoods and I look and I think back, like even downtown, LES, and I think back to when tenements used to live there, um, or when, when they were tenement buildings, and you're like, it's just dank. It's not, I think humans here, we get so wrapped up in these very um, superficial things. And it's hard to come back to New York where I feel like so many people are, are so they're caught trying to present themselves. And I don't have any interest in people who are not genuine. Um, people in New York are so often trying to be more stylish or more whatever, especially because so few people actually come from here. Um, and they're, so I feel like so overly disconnected with the essence of humanity, which is connection, in my opinion, connection with other people, with nature, with animals. It's even, it's like when you live in Spain, you go to brunch. First of all, I don't even actually know if brunch is a thing, but you go out for a meal in Spain and it's like always two hours because you sit, you have some drinks, you eat a little bit, but also it is, the lifestyle is such in, you know, countries of colonization that they're affordable. So you can go out and have a two or three hour lunch with someone or dinner and spend maybe 10 euro, um, maybe. And that includes like four beers. Um, here it's like you're dropping minimum thirty dollars, but uh, and and that's not possible to do every day. And in New York, it's always like you know everybody's rushing, everybody's you know you have to make plans with people weeks in advance, and then they still flop, and you know, and it's like I don't know, it just feels artificial. There's too many people. There's too many. I love some of the stores, but there's too many 
big box stores. It's too gray. There's not enough nature. There's not enough trees, you know? It's not clean. It's, it's filthy also. It's not clean enough. It's just, it's mind-boggling to me that a city this affluent is so filthy and it angers me because I feel like humans, we deserve more. We deserve better. Everyone, rich or poor, deserves to have a clean subway system that doesn't smell like pee. The 171 unknown pathogens were found in one subway, st- one subway um, station. How much? 171. That doesn't sound out of, high enough. <laughs> out of the just, millions that exist? I feel like there should be more. <laughs> Hello? And they literally got that from swiping a stair, the stairwell, and the wall. That's it. So I'm like, so you didn't even really get to where all the poop is, like, right. or the pee. You need, like, to, you need to wipe the subway poles. Oh, my God. Can I mean, you imagine? What, like a millisecond of a swipe, you probably have some Let me tell you like, something. I would, you, hello. I'm like, you probably going to find a new strain of AIDS that you can just get from hand-to-hand contact because it's disgusting. It's like, you know, it just, it makes me so mad because I'm like, even when you live in like Spain, for instance, okay, the trains are late. Maybe, actually, they're never, they're never late. They're on strike again. Oh, yeah. But it's also like, it's beautiful here. And the beach is right there. Right. And like, there's palm trees. And I can, you know, if I'm late, fine. Then I'm going to go call my friends and we're going to have a meal and we're going to have some tapas and, you know, cerveza or something. and Or the tinto, which is like red wine. And it's going to cost me a dollar. Like, right. You know? That sounds like balance. It's great. You know, you're like, you know what? All right. So I couldn't get to work today. No problem. You know, so it's, it's hard for me because I come back to New York and I'm, as you know, I'm constantly like screaming about social change and I constantly am investing myself, my physical energy to doing it. But because people in America, they don't know any better. They don't know that it can be better. It's feasible and it's doable. They just look at me like I'm crazy. They don't realize why I'm so passionate about it because I'm like... I know what better is. Right. You've literally been on the outside. Literally. Like, <laughs> technically, all my stuff is still on the outside. Like, <laughs> you know, the other good thing about traveling at length is is that you become incredibly unattached to all of your possessions. So for me, I'm like, okay, I got my cell phone in my wallet. I like things, sure, that look nice, but I'm not... I'm, I'm glad that I've been able to break away from that, like, intense feeling of consumerism that I think pervades Manhattan. Um, it's just, it's nice to be connected to things that where the soul is still real. Communities where, you know, things aren't just aren't open on Sunday because you're supposed to be home with your family. You know, where, you, right? You're like, huh? What's that? Home with <laughs> right? on Sunday? You know? Sis. You're talking, <laughs> now you're talking one of those languages that exactly. you Exactly! <laughs> like, you, it's, so it's, it's no, you're nice. right. It should be some, it should be, like, I think it, it comes down to the quality of life that has been established in this mega city. I don't yeah. know if you've heard that term. Yeah. Right. Yeah, in this mega city for so long. And, you know, one of the reasons why I like New York is because, okay, and this kind of leads into the other question that I have. But one of the reasons why I like New York is outside of the saturation, outside of the dirtiness, and outside of all these things, when you really, like, take off all of the distractions you're able to still find genuine people at yes the end of the day. definitely you know I mean? and that's definitely. that's one of the beauty this is literally one of the motivations the reasons why you know i started the series because it's like we pass by all these different forms of people different walks of life different backgrounds and stuff every single day and for us they're all just become blurs because we're only focused on what we have to do what we need to you know what we need to get done and the location and the destination that we have to get to yeah 
And, you know, a lot of people get very jaded about that because it's like, oh, New York, nobody cares, everyone's angry, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, it's not an, an open, it's not an inviting environment to where we all, you know, New Yorkers might be in a strain of like, oh, we tend to help people or help one another and stuff like that and look after each other when the time comes. But outside of that, we don't really know one another. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I guess my question to you is, and it kind of goes to the more the diversity of things, but more as a whole, do you still feel that New York, or at least this environment, still caters to a melting pot-like theme? Because at the end of the day, outside of just the physical representation of different people being from different parts of the world coming here, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you could technically call that a melting pot because it's like, all right, you have all these people from different It seems like a salad bowl than a melting pot. Mm, but the, break um, that down. <laughs> <laughs> so a melting pot, you know, every piece melds ultimately into one. You know, a melting pot ultimately it becomes like a, a, you know, a soup, a thick soup where you can't really pull apart all the ingredients, but they've all contributed to this wonderful flavor. A salad has numerous different ingredients, all of which can be very easily separated. Um, your leafy green, your whatever, you know, whatever the components you put in, they're usually just in small chunks that, which are, which can and often do easily separate themselves. Mm-hmm. And New York has, New York never really was a place where all the groups were intermingling. There was always the Chinese neighborhood, the Italian neighborhood, the Irish neighborhood, whatever. But what is most alarming now, because I'm fine with that. I'm fine with, you know, Koreatown, a Japanese town. The You know, I love Crown Heights back when it was actually Caribbean. Um, I'm fine with that. And I think that's a beautiful... It allows you... It affords you the beauty and the opportunity to immerse yourselves almost completely into, in essence, almost another country right. just by going a few steps. But now, it is barely even... It's like a melting pot if 90% of the ingredients were, was lettuce. It's like... Neighborhood after neighborhood after neighborhood is just filled with the exact same type of person. They wear, they love irony. They wear like those beanies that are like too short. So they like don't actually cover really any of your head. They, you know, their pants are always awkwardly short. They listen to music from bands nobody's heard of. That's terrible. They drink ironic brands of beer. And they are so overly liberal that they are like, no, we must feed the children in Africa and we must fight homelessness in Africa, all the while causing homelessness of African people and brown people and African diaspora people right here. That level of lack of introspection, that level of entitlement, that level of, that, that the depth of the bubble they live in is not something I can compute or comprehend. And that's why I often say, like, I don't think I could live in Brooklyn because I don't want to walk outside every day and be angry. And when I see those people, I'm inherently angry. Um, what I do think is beautiful about New York, about many places on, on Earth, really, is all it takes is a smile to strike up a conversation uh, as you know, I was lamenting earlier about how people just always seem to want to talk to me. But I, I'll, but to be perfectly honest, I think because I've done so much internal work to be a nicer person and and just more vulnerable and more accepting and less judgmental, I think my energy just screams like, "It's okay, she's safe," you know. Mm-hmm. Which is why, like, I was like, "Okay, I got to change my social media because I don't think it communicates that." <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like people would be like, "Oh, Paige is gonna rip you a new one." And I'm like, right, "I don't right. want to be." 
don't get it twisted. Don't don't try to come at me all crazy. But I don't want people to think like, oh, they have to be afraid of me. Right, you, got the you can still be a little bit afraid of me, but just like I don't want you to be like fully afraid. Like oh, I know right. that sounds weird. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to close out all the time. Yeah, you know. Um, but I what I love in New York is that I I so rarely feel like I meet quote unquote a bad person. I I I don't know. Even this is gonna sound terrible. Also, I do not because I just ranted about the hipsters and the transplants. Transplants being people who come to New York and are so wrapped up in their circle that they do not intermingle with the others and they come here and immediately affix the label of New Yorker upon themselves, which is something I will not rant about at this time, but um, which pisses, I think, every native New Yorker off. You oh, don't get to move here and a year later call yourself New Yorker, boo, you're not. Full stop. Um, or literally, period. <laughs> like, you do not get to move yeah. here. I don't care. Oh, my soul felt so happy. I'm so happy about that. I'm glad you found, you know, your sense and your place of belonging. But you're not a New Yorker. And you know the sad part is, I mean, ironically, you're like, I, where I work, I am one of the few native New Yorkers. Mm. And for a lot of people who kind of find that out about me, it's like, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the dinosaur. I'm the fossil. You know, and it, and it's like, I mean, look, I, I don't I don't have anything against people coming from different places and coming to New York or whatever. Fine, just kind of respect, have a respect for where you are. You know what I'm saying? I can't move from New York and go to Atlanta, for example, which may be happening in the future. Fingers crossed, Ooh. girlfriend, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I can't I can't be from here and then move to Atlanta and this is mine now. Right, right. This is mine now. Hmm. Oh well, you know how we you know how we do things. You know, oh. how we do things. It's like no, no, no. Thank you. This is what I mean that they just come in with this attitude of like this is how we do things, this is how we get down. And I'm like, no, that's not how we do things at all. It's oddly enough, like I was walking through Bed Stuy one of these days, I can't remember. And to me, I grew up where if you pass by someone, you say hello, you say good day. If you see an older person carrying some bags, you help them. Assuming you don't have to like rush and catch a train or something, you help them. And the clear difference between actual New Yorkers who do that and the pe- the transplants who come from other states who do not do that, almost 100% of them are white. Or occasionally you'll find like an Indian who somehow has lost connectivity, I guess, with like their brownness, I don't know. But they don't even, they act like you don't even exist. And it is that, le- like they move, they have the gall to move into your neighborhood and then not even put out a shred of effort to show respect to the people who are there. And so as much as we think we've, we've progressed as a society, have we? Because I'm pretty sure there were 75 million natives here before Columbus and various Europeans showed up here and pretty much killed them all rather than assimilate, you know? And so when I look, it, I, what bothers me about New York is that I'm like, I don't even know how to stop it. So many of the native New Yorkers are not wealthy enough to be like, you know, we're gonna buy a whole neighborhood. We're gonna buy this building and whatever. So many people do not have that ability, that wealth, that access, but the ones who come in do. And so we constantly see, you know, so Susie Q moves into whatever neighborhood, she changes her name to Blossom. And next thing you know, there's like, the Jamaican shop is now like a soy latte, whatever place, and like a vintage clothing store. Like, really? Vintage clothing is great, but we really don't need 900 vintage clothing places selling the exact same stuff. That's not actually vintage, it's really just from the 90s, which as far as I'm concerned is not vintage. Like, you know, and so that flavor, the beauty of New York was its grit and its diversity was 
that you know, I miss the LES that was filled with dive bars and punk rockers and a bunch of crackheads. Do I enjoy being around crackheads? Not particularly. But I, I like the, the grit. Hot spice of the area. You know, I like the grit. I loved Soho. I remember growing up, Soho was Where like filled filled with artists and you could go on any Sunday and there'd be jazz wafting through the streets and people painting and I mean it was just it was like this artistic paradise in Union Square there's always some you know counterculture um protest going on mm-hmm. and now it's just like how many Chanel shops does a tiny uh, does a 12 mile island need how many the, the fact that Yumi Kim and there's like is in LES and there's like a croc store in Soho to me I'm like there goes the neighborhood the fact that all of the Union Square Cafe can't even afford to be in Union Square. I don't even think it's still there anymore. You know, that I'm like, what is becoming of this island that is that a, where nothing is sacred? And it's one thing when it's like, oh, things will always change. Sure. But it's like they're all being replaced by the same cookie cutter, teak wood, you know, te- these teak wood chalkboard sign restaurants are just everywhere. And, and clothing stores and big box buildings, with big windows and, you know. So that's this is depressing, and um, I hope that I hope and I pray that New York will become what it once was. And I am eternally optimistic, and so I think that maybe it will. Um, because you know you can't even fully blame some of the transplants who do come here, because they might do to you know, generations of land stealing, raping, and illegally obtaining wealth, which is a topic I won't get in on. Um, They moved to some of the browner neighborhoods because they actually also can't really afford, you know, to live in whatever, a wider neighborhood if that's probably their um, ideal. So I'm also like, I can be angry at them, but they're also moving here because it's less expensive, moving to this neighborhood because it's less expensive. Um, So those who control the purse strings are really the ones to blame. So... Anyway, um, the diversity of New York, I feel like, I mean, it's still diverse, clearly, but it's, it's just not, it's not what it used to be. And that makes, every time I walk these streets, it just makes me sad. Manhattan makes me way, excuse me, Brooklyn makes me way more sad. Mm. You know, I remember Crown Heights. Yeah. And now it's like, like Franklin Ave, like, what is it? It's Franklin Ave feels like any street in Manhattan, you know, it's depressing. Franklin Ave hurts me. Yeah, it's, it's sad. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, being in it and, and experiencing all these changes, like, look, change is inevitable. It's it, it's something that yeah. is bound to happen. I, like, I, I see I see the things around me and I see those type of changes and it does make me angry, but I also have to accept the fact that change does happen. Because I can remember, like, back in the 90s, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, me being a kid and growing up and, like, even just seeing the things in my local neighborhood changing, like, you know, the place that used to be a Wonder Bread shop then turned into a fast food joint. And mm-hmm. then that place turned into a car lot, you know, or like a car dealership. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I know True. that change is inevitable. You know what I'm saying? It's not to say, like, those particular entities, like, wrecked the whole neighborhood and now it's a shell of its former self. You know what I'm saying? But I think when you kind of get into more populated areas and those stark changes kind of set the tone for this neighborhood that that in essence like started from something with that grit and that that you know that culture that zhuzh you know what I mean and and a lot of people that come here and you know out of respect for them devil's advocate the the people the transplants that come here to New York and they 
occupy these neighborhoods. They have no idea, and they're not. They have no interest or no idea of what the neighborhood was before. You know what I'm saying? There's no way that they can tell. It's not like, ooh, I want to live in Crown Heights. Let's Google what it was like back in the 90s. Yeah. Cool. Great. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no interest there. At this there. point, it's unrecognizable anyway. Oh, absolutely. So. Yeah, there's no there's no way that that is going to be a point of interest for them. They just know that, all right, this area is trendy. It's cool. It has a nice coffee shop, whatever, blah, blah. It's convenient. You know, this is why I'm moving to this neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? So when the new and the old clash... You know what I'm saying? They, they're going to have that level of confusion because it's like, oh, wait, hold on. This wasn't mm-hmm. what I imagined or, yep. or what the case would be. But at the same time, the, the old heads are in the neighborhood and seeing these new people come in and occupying the space that they don't necessarily yeah. have any respect for. You know what's starting to happen? Across race, um, native New Yorkers are almost made to feel like, like, almost like put down in a way i don't know how to describe it like i knew this kid who he grew up in queens and then like inwood or someplace like dumb far Mm -hmm. but um like he's through and through born and raised new york and then you meet not his friends um like people i just felt like i would constantly see people who were not from here Trying to kind of like, oh, well, this is how, you know, you do this. This is how we do things. And I'm like, who's we? I, I had a girl who has lived here for 10 years, who is not black, try to school me on the slangs of black native New Yorkers. I am a black native New Yorker. And I'm like, well, this one's not right. She's like, no, because, and I'm like. The goal that you have to have to sit here and be like, let me tell you about your life, you know? Right, right, right. And this is the attitude that I feel like comes with so many, not all, because you'll always meet, this city will always attract people from other states because I personally don't have any problem with anybody from another country coming here. Right. Um, I think that's great, the more the merrier. Yeah. But it's the people from other states who are so desperate to like call themselves a New Yorker and like wear all black or whatever they think um, New Yorkers are. Those are the ones who really get underneath, I think, a lot of our skin because they... It's a, it's a downfall. It's the, the worst side of entitlement, one-on-one. I mean, you saw... I don't want to get you angry. I mean, fuck, I'm always There's angry. always... To be black <laughs> and conscious is to be in a constant state of rage. Oh, yes, so. Mr. James. Mm-hmm, Mr. Baldwin. Mr. Baldwin, say it loud. I feel like all of us should get that tattooed on. <laughs> Oh, like, it's the truest statement ever. Well, I mean, it's funny enough, speaking of Facebook, like, uh, I don't know if you remember, like, there was a section on your Facebook where you write, like, notes or, like, things about you. Yeah, like, ages. I have, I have a list of quotes on my Facebook mm. page that you definitely have to sift through to find, but that was one of my quotes. You know what? I never put that one on mine, but, but it should have been. This is this school, is, this I remember old Facebook, Facebook when we used to have right, notes they were easily right, accessible right. to. We're not now, just I don't even know. About, like, about me or things yeah, about I remember me. that yeah. area, and you had like there used to be a separate quote section, but then it was like I don't remember what that section was, but you, I remember I filled mine with quotes too. Right, way back when. Nonetheless, right, the point <laughs> is that you know, um, you know, it, it there's this that level of entitlement that a lot of people that are from here don't like because it's it's just not being mindful mm-hmm. to those who are still in the neighborhood, still just trying to struggle to conform to this new structure of what the neighborhood is. And, you know, it's crazy because, like, you know, I I feel somewhat of a alien in my own neighborhood. Home yep. Because there's so much new things that I don't necessarily particularly have a interest for. Or, or, mm-hmm. or, or even a connection to, to. Or even a connection yeah. to. And yet all these newer people could have a connection with it and say, oh, yeah, have you been to this? Have you been to that? Have you gone here? Have you done that? Have you experienced that? It's like... Not really, 
And then the response is, but you're a New Yorker. You live here. Well, sis, mm-hmm. uh, let me tell you a little story Hello. about a gentrification. Um, you could Google it. It's a best <laughs> I know you like the Googles. You your little pop-ups. You know? You know, you utilize that. But the way that's set up. Um... That's all of it. That's why even, you know, I know it sounds weird, but I've learned to be able to spot a pop-up because in some areas, like, in some areas, I'm like, I won't support them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know... Supporting shops, how can I phrase this? If if pop-up is the new avenue by which the artist can showcase their work or whatever else, then I'm all for it. But that's, when that's artistic pop-ups, I'm talking about more Exactly, that's pop-ups. what I'm saying. But now what you see is most pop-ups are designed to look like it's some, you know the artist who's trying to showcase the art, but it's actually a big developer company that has mad money. Oh. You know, and I'm like, I'm not with that. I'm not with the fact that I can't find a single Puerto Rican in Williamsburg. I remember, we all remember Williamsburg, what it used to be. I'm not saying anybody wanted to, you know, walk out and get shot at any given point. But it's like, it's so congested and faux artistic now. And like, to see it, to see uh, Bushwick, it's obviously spread to all of Brooklyn. Um, but to see even like Bushwick, where you'll see the locals will spray, who will spray paint, gentrification is the new colonization, which is 100% true. Mm-hmm. You see that, and then you still see gentrifiers who like, you know you're not welcome to this neighborhood. And I'm actually okay with the fact they're not welcome in the neighborhood. But you right. you know you're not welcome to this neighborhood. Why? It's not because you're race or whatever else. Greenpoint was entirely poor white people. Yeah. Poor Polish, poor German. It got nothing to do with your race. It comes to your nasty attitude of entitlement and the fact that it is blatant erasure. That, to me, is, I think, why most native New Yorkers are mad. Because it's like, whether it's Red Hook. they Fortunately, there's not enough trains to Red Hook for it to like, be gentrified as quickly but whether it's i mean you see angry white angry polish people in greenpoint because they're like we don't want to be pushed out this was the haven that we built for ourselves and the whole reason you came here is because it's more affordable and wow it was so ethnic and like but now you're kicking out all the ethnicity or fort green that used to be so black american or crown heights that used to be totally jamaican like all these neighborhoods of williamsburg which is puerto rican and dominican you know Harlem. That I'm like it. It makes me angry to walk through Harlem, and I see these people. I'm like, you. You can't tell me you don't know what Harlem was. Right. You can't tell me that you missed that this was the mecca of Black American civilization. You cannot tell me that you don't notice it. But you. You. It's not that you just come anyway. It's one thing to come. You come here, and you actively push out. You start calling nine one one. On the neighbors because the quote-unquote music is too loud or because these kids look suspicious those kids have been here longer than you kids in Harlem just sat on a stoop since stoops were first invented but now they get arrested for it because you're calling the police on them but now we have a white woman who literally lives in Flatbush who calls the police on a nine-year-old child because she quote-unquote assumed that he sexually assaulted her which first of all first of all is so bizarre but then to and then to traumatize a child. But then you see the video and you still are like, oh well, well. Uh, first you tried to try to pull the I didn't say he did, bitch. Why do you think them cameras are here? Right, right. But then the second level is, oh well, I wasn't yelling at him. It's like I mean, you find any excuse to try to justify, but ultimately it goes back to the fact that you call the police, you know, white people. You call the police knowing that the police could likely come here and kill this person. So you just tried in 2018 to create a nouveau Emmett Till situation because you just was mad, I guess, one day. And keep in mind, right, this is this is the environment that we live in now. Back in the day, if 
probably something similar were to happen, that shit would have been squashed within that, you know what I mean? First of all. And that, and that shows the level of community. That's why I'm saying there is no community. This is a salad bowl because you have people who are moving into Brooklyn, moving into neighborhoods that have been historically whatever and have no interest in engaging with the community and they walk around with a sense and level of entitlement to that is such that you even think you're so desirable that a child will want to take advantage of you sexually, not a burgeoning on puberty child, right. a child child. And this is why I'm like, I, I feel like I constantly walk, walk between the planes of two separate existences because I'm I talk to I can tell you safely the amount of times I have been sexually harassed is many as I think every woman in New York can attest to but walking through when it's happened in hipster neighborhoods that I've had the misfortune of being through when I tell you these white women was on the street ready to be like leave her alone I was like well damn didn't expect it did not expect it and I'm like yo they're actually really friendly people but on the second end and on a more insidious level because I think that with, within liberalism, we never talk about the abject and, and rampant racism that still pervades even the most liberal circles. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like these are the same people who will, you know, stop some guy from sexually harassing me, but would also call the police on us real quick, knowing the police will come here and shoot me. You know, like, so you, I feel like it's not even just to be black and conscious is to exist in a constant state of rage, but even to be a native New Yorker and conscious is to exist in a constant state of rage. Because you can't tell me that them Polish people and Germans and Greenpoint ain't mad. I'm sure they mad. You can't tell me the Chinese and Midwood ain't mad. I'm sure they mad too. You can't tell me that all the Dominicans and Puerto Ricans that used to live in, in Bushwick and Williamsburg ain't mad. I don't know where they at now, but I damn sure know they mad. You know, like I'm, wherever they've been pushed out to, I know they're mad, you know? And so what's hard for me is to come back on these streets and constantly be immersing myself. I'm a member of the NAACP, a member of ample anti-gentrification leagues. Anti-gentrification leagues. I'm a member of every black-oriented museum you can possibly think of. I'm constantly like, let's do this. Let's be out on these streets. Let's, let's affect social change. And I feel like I don't know if it's just because people are tired or they're confused or because there's no very clear conscious enemy. People are just... They complain and, the, and we're all angry, but so few people are ready to affect actual change. And and that for me is another source of, of anger. And it's why it took me so long to determine, like, do I really want to be in New York? Do I really want to live here where I feel like I'm constantly screaming about, like, you know, racism or whatever it is. And people just be looking at me like, okay, sis, calm down. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm happy that our generation is very vocal and it has the tools enough to, to carry the torch of what our grandparents did. Um, I can't say that the barriers to change are higher because back then it was like literal death. Mm -hmm. Now it's okay, you might die, but like it's mostly the rent that's too high, you know? So I won't say that the barriers are higher, but I'm just, I'm hopeful that, that more and more of the natives or the trans folks who come here with the right, for the right reasons and with the right motivations, that we can and will continue to to join forces and for, and and merge and meld together, understanding that there's a mutual benefit, you know, it is a mutually beneficial if we all root together, if we fight against this corruption. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm eternally hopeful that with more exposure and with things like Black Twitter or with black folks who constantly are the ones on the front lines getting taking all the gunshots and then everybody else, every other minority group just be benefiting. But if that's what it takes to affect social change, then let's do it. I'm really like, I think one of the things I struggle with even just to communicate and um, 
is that I feel more multifaceted than I guess people are expecting or ready for. And so there's a large part of me that's like, by any means necessary, we will affect social change. Mm-hmm. There's another part of me that is so oriented towards, you know, reciprocal, that oriented towards energy and reciprocal and reciprocated energy and connecting with people regardless of wherever they come from or look like or whatever and that is so in tune with just the common with our commonalities as human beings there's another part of me that's like silly and lighthearted and just as like free love man you know there's another part of me that's like the actress that's the model like there's all these there's another part of me that runs a business there's a you know there's all these different parts of me and I struggle to kind of know how to present all of that, although I'm aware that the answer is just do, just live it, be it. You know, it's like the answer is deceptively simple, basically. How dare you come up in here being a multifaceted black woman? <laughs> right? How dare right? you? Stick to one facet. Can I tell you though, <laughs> that was honestly, I didn't even realize that that really was the narrative that had been fed to me. Not necessarily by my own people or what have you, but I just realized that was kind of what I guess society, what I picked up that like, pick a lane, stay in it, right. and it's and I think many of us do, and it's such a harmful narrative that like you're supposed to have whatever it is you want to do figured out, but like you can only be a spiritual black woman. You can't be spiritual and run a business unless it's selling you know sacred crystals or like you know herbs like sage or whatever. You can't be a spiritual black woman also be into you know more divine origins, but also run a like actual actual business but also like be woke and involved in the community but also be an actor like because you're doing too much always that has been the expression of my life you're doing too much Paige you're doing too much and I you gotta put together time to live I honestly like I need to figure but the thing is I learned that like I just am a too much person I don't consider it too much it's to me it's just enough and if people can't handle it they can't swallow it down if 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 my water flows past your edges, that's fine. That's fine. I have learned, I've gotten to a point in my life where I no longer desire to be understood by those who do not understand me. I no longer, I actively work against molding myself to fit anyone's preconceived notion of what I'm supposed to be. Um, I'm no longer regressing into myself or repressing my own thoughts, my desires, my vulnerability, whatever, to comfort or suit someone else or to seem better in their eyes, to to meld myself to whatever it is that will best suit them. We either gonna vibe or we not. That's okay, and it's totally okay if we don't. I'm learning to truly embrace being unapologetic without being angry. Because I think many times when we try to be apologet- unapologetic, it's like, I am me, screw you, you're gonna accept it. And I'm like, I don't feel that. I don't feel that rage, I'm just like, this is me. And it's, I'm at this place now where I'm able, where I constantly am trying to rediscover myself, re-understand myself, re, well, I shouldn't say re, actually. I'm, where, I des- where I'm now able to understand myself, I think for the first time, to define myself, to live with no boundaries, no restrictions, and to live without accountability to anyone else but myself and my happiness. And it is, at first, a very scary place to be, but it is also very freeing. When You know, having no boundaries in that regard can be very scary, but it's also a very freeing place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so... I owe that to being kicked out and to moving uh, overseas, which I realize now most people would have, you know, 
scrape their pennies together and just got a place in Manhattan or Brooklyn or Queens. I was like, well, see you in Germany. Like, I was out. Um, but I'm grateful. Being in all those places where I knew not a soul and just living there and having to define myself, that um, that shaped me a lot. And I'm, I'm grateful. I don't look at myself each day and like, I am Paige and I am black and I am a woman and I am whatever. I'm like, I am Paige, period. There's the end of the sentence, you know? Because um, America is what will teach you to look at yourself in terms of its definitions. And I refuse to be defined by such as exceedingly black and proud as I am. <laughs> uh, still, you know, if that makes any sense. No, no, it all, it all makes sense. Absolutely, I feel, I have very similar sentiments. Yeah. But uh, funny enough, that all kind of ties into now the last question, because girl, ooh, we went on a journey. <laughs> we did. <laughs> no, but I love it. I love, I just love, like, I mean, just following you for all these years, like, I, like, everything that you've, expressed and stuff like that I, I have I was in total agreement because not to say like at a time I was that and now I'm not you know all that fire and all that anger is still in me but anger I think we we always coin anger as a, as a bad thing oh you're angry that yeah right because that, it doesn't have to be. Well, no, that narrative is always it's just the narrative that's been created mm-hmm. on the concept of anger and passion and all these things because it's like how dare you be angry or how dare you be passionate about certain things when there's so much more things to worry about, you know? It's always a deflective mode, but it's like anger, when when channeled properly, could really, like, push you to places where you need to be. Anger, when channeled properly, has changed... Anger, when channeled in any way, has changed the world. Anger, when channeled properly, um, can bring about, for instance... It can bring about World War Two. It can bring about um, genocides. Mm-hmm. It can bring about civil rights movement. It can bring about uh, a s- slave. I, you know, I don't like to call enslaved African slaves. It can bring about enslaved African rebellions. It can bring about Haiti's independence. It can bring about so many positive things. It can bring about a two hundred fifty million dollar lawsuit or. A judgment against Monsanto it can bring about so many incredible things and so it is it is working against everything we know to define anger as or to think of anger as a positive thing but it really is it was my anger against it was my the realization that I was living my life according to what my mom told me to do and whoever else told me to do that and I was on un, so deeply unhappy it was with possibly reckless abandon, but also, I don't want to necessarily just say anger, but it was also, but the anger was, this is my life. I'm going to live my life in the way that makes me happy, or this matters to me. So I used to, you know, I was constantly told, like, I shouldn't have an opinion on a social issue or whatever, and I'm like, you know what, this is how I am. This is how I am, and I actually really like how I am. And it was almost, you know, that just internally that, it wasn't even necessarily anger, but a part of it was to like kind of push back. And so I'm to bring it to a personal level. I'm immensely proud of the things I've accomplished. I'm immensely, I'm most proud of the person I have become. And I'm proud of the person I know I will become in advance. (laughs) I am proud that, that the anger evolved into freedom 
it evolved into the freedom to become an actress, start a business, well, start a business first, then, you know, go back into modeling and be an actress. And, I, and I'm, and now, you know, I fully support myself off of my own trade. I've been supporting, I've been supporting myself in the sense of running my own shop and pay, therefore paying myself since I graduated college, you know? And it was that anger about against, you know, being told I gotta get a nine to five, but society tells you get a nine to five, work, two weeks vacation. The concept of two weeks vacation, I just, to this day, I just can't, like, what do you mean I gotta work 50 weeks? That's crazy, like, people get tired. I just couldn't grasp, like, how, you know, I just, I couldn't do it, you know? So, there is, I constantly walk around I'm like, I feel like the yin, the yin yang, where there's a part, such a large part of me that is just so rooted and oriented in love and happiness and giving and positivity. And there's still a droplet of the black in it, right? The little anger. And then there's the part, the other part that is mostly black, that is like resist and fight and educate and whatever, and, and you know, fight against this system. But there's still that goodness that, I hate to refer to the white, part as the good and the black part as the bad actually but so I think about that constantly and I you know I'm not I don't wake up angry I very rarely go to sleep angry I write in a way that always sounds angry but that's unintentional <laughs> I don't mean to it's just emphasis and you know I just write very strongly <laughs> with a strong tone but I um I'm really happy you know, don't get me wrong. I definitely have, you know, sometimes very long periods of depression, but ultimately I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I think that is the, I'm, I'm, I think that's the overriding, overarching theme and excitement and passion for life, for discovering myself and, you know, connecting with amazing people like yourself and so many other people and re- kind of just re rediscovering the, the beauty. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so happy to be back in New York. Cause I kind of hit this Drake part where I was like, yo, no new friends. Like I'm tired. These people in Spain, they're great. And I definitely made some dope friends there in Italy or wherever else. But I'm like, you know the people you just know. You don't have to explain your backstory. You don't have to explain all this stuff. You just know them. And to just dig into the depths of those people and the beauty there. And occasionally, you know, you kind of acquire a new person along the way, awesome, but like, I'm so excited to just even continue to do that and to create and to see where my life takes me. Like I know where it's gonna take me with such surety that I can't even explain it, but I'm excited for the journey and I'm excited for the people I've met. I mean, I've, I've met the most, at least to me, the most incredible people, whether it was in my Esper training, um, acting intensive, um, to people I've just met on the street, to people I meet on the trains, to people who just like connect with me on Facebook. And I'm, I feel like I've just met the most amazing people. And because of all the work I've been doing to improve myself and get rid of all of, or continue to work to get rid of my flaws and those bad parts and to soften my edges, that it's just like all those things I thought were holes and cracks, if they are, it's just that goodness is flowing through, flowing in because of them, you know? And I'm so grateful and happy to be at that place. And I'm grateful to know people like you who I can speak ethereally to who get it, you know, who don't think I'm crazy or weird or whatever. Um, I'm just so excited. I'm really, really excited for like 
life. I'm excited to see myself on the big screen. Oddly enough, it's not even like a as an actress. It's I'd like I'm still waiting for it and working for it, but it's not like I've seen myself on television before. I've seen that, and I'm just always like, okay. I'm just ex I'm just excited. I'm excited for like to one day close down my business and just make art. You know, I'm excited. I'm excited for what the future holds. I have a lot of hope. Maybe it's foolish, but I have a lot of hope for the future. Despite even the gentrification and whatever else. You know, change is inevitable. And as as things will change to, towards one tide, they'll change back towards the other tide. We just have to hope to be alive to see it. You know? Or just die with the hope. <laughs> you know, one or the other. One is as good as the other as far as I'm concerned. So, um... Yeah. In summation, I travel a lot and it's changed me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not as, I'm really not, I'm angry about social things, which I think you should be. I'm not angry about anything else, you know? Yeah, it's all around you. Yeah, you know, but outside of social things, like, I'm not angry about anything else. I'm, I love my life. I love my family. I love my friends. The times I, decide to make me I, I'm so happy to have like such a dope friend circle I love the people I do allow in who are new are like so dope I'm so excited I love the art that I've been creating I love being able to describe myself as an artist which is like still scary for me but really cool um I just being 29 is dope like it rocks it's way better than being 21. Like, <laughs> the only thing that was good about being 21 is you could drop it like it's hot and your knees wouldn't hurt. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it and, uh, it's a toss-up. Ah. Whether you are... Uh, you just got to like be slick and like hold on to something real quick so you can... You, know? you master the two-step in so many ways. Ah, that like, all of a sudden you just, you just whine all the time because you ain't got to drop it when you whine. Absolutely. You know? But yeah. That's good. That's what's up. Thank you, man. Yeah, this was great. One this, last cue. One last cue. Okie dokes. Um, you know, I'm always <laughs> um, So, yeah, I mean, just the question that I usually ask everyone, just, I mean, because girl, as we went on a journey, which <laughs> I fully appreciate. But, um, so what is, what is your motivation? Like, what, what pushes you to get up every day and make the best of it? Like, my dreams. My dreams. My dream of what I want my life to look like. Um, uh, the desire to feed my happiness the desire to continue to feel and give love um, and the desire for my dreams to become my reality and my dreams are not oriented in, in you know in having you know billion dollars or whatever my dreams are just really to have amazing friends and amazing family who all know I love them, who I know love me, you know, to have a beautiful home um, that everyone feels free to come to. We have great meals, you know, um, and then drink good wine or whatever. I don't actually really like wine, but other people seem to. But, you know, where we drink, where we drink, I'm going to say, um, where my, where I wake up every day and my career is my art and I am known around the world for my for my art my my voice my opinions and hopefully i can contribute positivity you know i i 
I work so that my voice can be heard. Um, because I feel like as radical as I might seem to be, and maybe it's kind of just my circle that supports these thoughts, but I feel like I say things that are actually just common sense a lot, that a lot of people feel, but that people who feel who feel that don't get the opportunity often to express in a in a on like a national or international stage or the rare time we get the opportunity we have to like curtail it and kind of bend it so that like you know someone doesn't get mad meaning white folks um <laughs> but um yeah it's the what fuels me is this desire to live my best life um i just kind of think like what else are we here for but to make our dreams come true and if you work hard enough and smart enough you can't just work hard these days if you work hard and smart enough long enough you will live your best life that is just you this won't be easy it's not going to be smooth sailing you know but if you stick with it it will happen and I, I think most people don't stick with it long enough to make it happen you know so it's that it's just it's just living the life I know I deserve and I realized that what if you I don't believe in like predestined fate like God has designed this for you but I feel like in your heart you know what you want and if but if you don't work for it it will never happen you know so it's that that is what motivates me love my dreams my desires my ambition um fear of you know losing it all so to speak um all those things, I guess, um, motivate me. I don't know if that was the simple answer you're probably looking for. No, no. <laughs> the answer it doesn't have to be simple. It just has to be the answer. Yeah. You know, but it's just, it's everything, you know. I'm motivated by, like when I think back to even the shots in the alley, I am motivated by self-discovery, which is oftentimes for me is expressed through fashion. Um I'm motivated by finding out, continuing to find out who I am, which I'm glad that now at this age, I have the clarity to start to understand that. And as and I know as I get older, it will become, it will come into focus even more. And I'm so excited to learn who I am and be able to just live that, present that bring it to the stage as an actress, um, and just continue to connect with more people in goodness, love, and light. So, those are a few things, I guess, that motivate me. <laughs> Motivation is the spirit of everything. Yeah, that's the so. main motivator. It's that, like that J. Cole, I mean, it's a different line, but he has a song called Motivate. Mm -hmm. Like business page, motivation is like, he, his line, Please don't hit my phone if it ain't about no commas. I'm like, church. Tabernacle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, J. Cole, I understand, I understand. Oh, my God. So um, for the people in the back. <laughs> yo, I was like, that might have to be the tattoo. <laughs> Shoot, I'll be, I'll be oh thinking that. I'm like, I ain't got no time for these petty, petty drama and whatever. And, you know, if, even if, like, on Facebook, I'm People think I'd say a lot of stuff like that's personal. I'm like, I don't talk about my personal stuff on Facebook ever right. at all. I'm posting about like my opinion on, you know, or some social issue. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't have time to be getting caught up in 
drama and this guy or friend drama. Nope. My existence feels a lot bigger than that. I think my purpose feels a lot bigger than that. I love my whole life being told I'm going to be like the next Oprah or whatever. That actually puts a tremendous amount of pressure on someone to be like, I don't feel that great, uh, but okay. <laughs> you know, but I'm just like, embrace it. Embrace exactly what you are. You know, live your best life. Cardi B style. Her come up is incredible, so. It's really amazing. Thank yeah. you, Paige. This was dope. I'm so happy to even get to do it, honestly. Yes, like, I know. No, I, I mean, as I said, it's, I, I guess a long time coming. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, but like, even so, I'm. you know what, though, realistically, I'm also just, I love, first of all, not only being able to just do things like this and just kind of get the opportunity to express myself. I didn't want to just come across like, oh, I'm angry about you know, New York or whatever, or whatever, because right. I don't feel like anger is a defining, I don't, it doesn't define you. It's yeah, just a like it's a, it's a part of it, but it's like, it doesn't define me, but I just love being able to just talk to people who get it, vibe with people, connect with people like that when it's, there's nothing weird, there's not, there's nothing tense, there's no ulterior motives, it's just like good energy, man, just feed on good energy, you know, and to me, this was just like such good energy, like you've always had good energy, and then I love being around people who have just good energy. You know, so I'm like, I'm happy to, to do it. And I think the shots you got are like gorgeous. At least the one I saw, I was like, yeah, really <laughs> amen. Like, so excited about it. So, yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Minutes Heard. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow or subscribe to Minute Made New York on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube. Do you have a minute?